Amen. Good stuff going on. Are you having fun? Because if, if you're not, amen, if, look, if you're living for the Lord and you're not having fun, then you're doing it wrong. That's all I'm saying. Doesn't mean that you're not going to have troubles. Doesn't mean you're not going to have challenges. Uh, but we've got a Savior who said that I've overcome the world. And that he's, he told me to cheer up, be of good cheer, because he has overcome the world. And that if I have faith in him, see, that's all challenges are. You know, we're all going to face challenges, but all the challenges are, or an opportunity for you to exercise and grow in faith. And all faith is, is just trusting him. If his word said it, then you can trust him. You can believe him. You don't have, it's not a matter of believing in Jesus. It's a matter of believing Jesus. And he is the word. So if he said it in his word, you can trust him. Over 7,000 promises in his word. At least one of those promises ought to apply to you, right? So if, if you wake up today and you say, man, I got some things I'm going to wind up facing. Well, that, all that is is an opportunity. If you didn't have challenges, there would be no need for faith. And he's just wanting to, to allow you the opportunity to get to trust him and know him more. Just like we, we've been singing, I want to know you more, Lord. I want to know you more. We got a lot of people that have grown up in church, but they've never grown up in Christ. A lot of people know hymns. We all grew up knowing hymns, but they don't know him. And that's, that's really my prayer for this. What, what the Lord is trying to do here is grow a church. And by growing a church, I don't mean numerically. Now, he'll add to us as he sees fit, and, and uh, he's a good shepherd, and so he's going to do that. But we are the church. I'm the church. You're the church. If, you, if you're a believer in Christ and you're walking with him, you are the church. He wants you to grow, grow up in him, the Bible says. So, so that's what we're wanting to endeavor. Uh, but have fun. Enjoy the journey. And uh, laugh, even in the midst of heartache. We're going to have peace that passes the understanding. And uh, you'll be surprised. The Holy Spirit will allow you to laugh, even in the middle of some trouble, even in the middle of uh, frustration. And, uh, you know, he'll, he'll allow you to cancel fear, because fear is the opposite of faith. He wants you to walk in faith and not fear. Uh, but we've got a lot of good stuff going on. Uh, uh, we were just, I was chatting with Chloe. Chloe and Boone, they just got a few more weeks, and they're going to be married here pretty soon, so we're excited for them. Uh, Howard just, uh, his daughter Nikki just got married. Matter of fact, Howard became the most popular man in Viridian for a few days online, and uh, so, so, you know, that, that big, nice tent that was out there by Storm Park that everyone just started throwing a fit about, and I can walk my dog where I want to walk my dog. You can't stop me. I'm, I'm an American, or, you know, whatever all this stuff was. Well, that was a uh, and, and who's shooting fireworks? Well, that was Howard. <laughs> and he was holding the trigger personally. No. <laughs> but but uh, uh, so that's exciting. We got folks getting married. That's always good. Uh, we also want to congratulate uh, Nikki and TJ Moore. I don't know if you're watching today via stream, but on the birth of Eleanor Cynthia Moore beautiful baby girl, and uh, so pray for them. They're a family of six. Woo! They need our prayers. <laughs> but what a blessing. What a blessing. Uh, 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 another beautiful baby girl, and so we're, we're so happy for them. Uh, to some of, some of you, I recognize, I recognize your faces, or at least your eyes, from last week uh, from our Easter service. Thank you so much for being repeat offenders and coming on back, and, and uh, we want you to make yourself at home. And, and just know you're amongst family. 
Uh, whether you live in the community or in the greater community, uh, we're all part of the community and kingdom of God today. And so, so we're excited to have you here, and we're honored that you're here. Uh, now, I know, I know some folks have wide opinions on this or that, but, but man, Friday, I got my second shot for COVID, for my COVID vaccination. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful. And uh, they, the, like the one that I got sent to, it's, uh, how do you say it? Is it Moderno? Is that yeah. Moderno? And uh, man, let me tell you, I, you know, the first shot went all right, and everyone kept saying, now be, be careful, that second shot, man, that's a doozy. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. I never get sick. Whatever. Bring it on. Bring it on. Come on. Bring it on. Give me that shot. Come on. I was just calling, come on. Come on, fire me. Give me that little needle. Come on. I thought it was cute. And he, he stuck me, and I was just like, all right. Man, three hours later, I don't know about y'all, I was like, <laughs> man, that hurt. It still hurts. That was Friday. It's still sore. I'm trying to worship the Lord, and I'm back there whining, you know? Uh, and a few hours later, and this shows you, if, if you learn just to trust him and take him at his word, you can take him at his word, and he'll, he'll come through for it. A few hours later, uh, I wound up, uh, man, I wasn't feeling good at all. And uh, as the night progressed, I was out, man. Friday night, I was done. Just, you know, just, just shut the world out. And, and uh, so, so I wound up, it was a rough night, Friday night, and with chills, all that stuff. And, and I, every, everyone's body reacts differently to it. But about 3 o'clock in the morning, the Lord woke me up and said, pray. So I'm laying there in bed, <laughs> shivering and praying. About 3.30, he said, no, I get up and pray. So I got up, I was trying to pray. I felt horrible. So I thought, let me, I was drinking a bunch of water, uh, felt a little dehydrated, and got in the shower, took a hot, let me take a hot shower, that's going to help. No, it still felt horrible. And finally, he said, it was about four o'clock in the morning, he said, he said, David, you're not partaking of the provision of my body. He said, Have I, did I not, was I not broken, and did I not shed my blood for you? And I said, you know what, right? You're, you're, you're right, Lord. I went, I went downstairs, and right there in my kitchen, wound up doing communion just by myself, right? And it shows God's not legalistic, because I hadn't gone grocery shopping in a while. The only crackerish thing I had, this is the truth, goldfish. <laughs> my youngest daughter had them goldfish crackers. And I thought, you know, there's not a lot of leaven in goldfish, right? They, they, it's not like they're yeasty or anything, so Lord, just forgive the cheese powder on it or whatever. Uh, that's right. That's right. You know, well, you know, hey, everybody has that fish on their car, right? To symbolize they're a Christian. So, you know, come on now. Uh, so, anyways, right in the midst of communion, about the time that I partook of the body. Now, there was nothing. Ma there's nothing magical about the symbols we use. It's just, but but the power is in what they represent, and when we can bring our attention back to the provision that that He gave us on the cross, and and through His sacrifice. Uh, right, right in the middle of it, my aches went away. I'd been aching for, for hours. The aches disappeared. And by the time I, I finished with the juice and I swallowed it and just began to give him praise, I started sweating like crazy. And, and uh, like, almost like when a fever breaks and you kind of get that release and that relief. And instantly, instantly, just like that, I felt better. And the Lord reminded me, I can take him at his word. He provided so much for us on the cross. And, and uh, some folks call communion the meal that heals, you know. Uh, nothing, like I said, nothing magical about the elements. But, but when we put our trust in the redemptive work of Jesus, 
Uh, we have everything that we need from healing to, to, to strength to provision to, to salvation, eternal salvation. But not eternal salvation, but salvation right here in the nasty now and now. Not just the sweet by and by. So, uh, you know, whatever you're going through today, trust him. Take it as an opportunity to trust him. So today, real briefly, we're going to talk about, start a series called The After. Uh, after the resurrection, Jesus, re Jesus hung out for 40 days. And he still did quite a bit. And so we're going to take a few weeks and look at some of the things that he did and what can we glean from that. We spent a month uh, focusing on the resurrection. So now this is after the resurrection. What are things that we can glean from that? We're going to start out in the book of Luke. We're going to call today's message the order of breaking bread. The order of breaking bread. Luke chapter 24, starting with verse 13. That same day, meaning the, the same day that he was resurrected, that same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. Isn't that kind of a funny thought? I love this story. It was one of my favorite stories. You know, here they are. They're, they're distraught. They're upset. And Jesus slips out of the bushes and starts walking with them. They don't even know who he is. You know? uh, verse 17, he asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk? They stopped short. <laughs> Sad, sadness written across their face. They just stopped in the middle of the road and looked at him like, what are you, crazy? Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. What things, Jesus asked? The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of in, all of, in the eyes of God and all the people, but our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an, an amazing report. They said his body was missing. And they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. <laughs> I mean, imagine how these guys were distraught. They're like, look, I, we've been following this guy for three years. He was supposed to save us. You know, they, they thought the Messiah was going to free them from Roman rule. They didn't realize the Messiah was going to free the world from the power of sin. Forget about government rules. It's the power of sin that needs to change the world. We, we can't legislate morality. Uh, you know, what, what even in our, in our nation, you know, we can't depend on the government to change us. What we need is a heart, a heart transplant. We need the Holy Spirit to change our hearts. That's what the Messiah came to do. Anyway, so they're just distraught. And Jesus said to them, you foolish people, <laughs> you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? He said, look, the prophets have been telling us, you know, we, we all grew up learning about this stuff. 
Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses. He started all the way back from Moses. Man, in Deuteronomy, Moses actually started predicting and foretelling about the Messiah who would come. Moses and all the prophets explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So he just talked about himself, but he went through the prophets. Now by this time, they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he were going on. I love it. He's just kind of, he's playing along. (laughs) See you guys later. He knew exactly what was going on. Verse 29, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it was getting late. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took, some, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly, their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. It's pretty insane. You're sitting down for dinner, and he starts breaking bread, and all of a sudden, they realize who he is, and before they could say anything, he just he vanishes. That's some crazy stuff. Verse 32, they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 disciples and the, other who had, and the others who had gathered with them, who said, now they, like, so the disciples and some other folks are already gathered together. And and this is what they're talking about. The Lord has really risen. He really has risen. He's not there in the tomb. You you can imagine they're probably debating amongst themselves. Does somebody steal the body? What's going on here? This is very confusing. And, And it says, and he appeared to Peter. Now that's really interesting. This is Luke's account of the gospel. Luke was actually a physician. He was not one of the disciples that hung out with Jesus, but he was a doctor and, and he was writing this for a friend, and he investigated and interviewed tons of people and, and tracked down stories and matched stories. And so he was very detailed. As a matter of fact, at the beginning of Luke, he, he explains, he says, look, I'm, to his friend, he's saying, I'm, I'm, this is the best I can come up with. I've looked at this from every angle. So if you remember, those of you who were here last week, we talked about in the Gospel of Mark, after the resurrection, the angel told the women, said, Tell the disciples, oh, and especially tell Peter to meet him in Galilee. You know, because Peter, Peter had messed up. Peter denied him in his darkest hour. And yet here, they're saying, look, he's really risen. And matter of fact, he appeared to Peter. Now, it doesn't record exactly what happened. I don't know if he had a dialogue with Peter. Or it could have been, because Peter, as soon as he found out that the body was missing, he took off and he ran to the tomb and saw that it was empty. Now, who knows? Maybe he looked around and he saw Jesus heading right over the hill because he's, Jesus is trying to catch up with these guys walking to Emmaus. Maybe Jesus just turned around and winked at him a little bit and disappeared on over the hill to, to catch up with these other two guys. Who knows what it is? But I think it's, I think it's really cool in light of how, how much Peter messed up that one of the ones that he appeared to was Peter. So that was pretty cool. So, so that's, that's what these two guys walk in on is the disciples talking about all this stuff. Then verse 35, then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they had recognized him as he was breaking the bread. That's pretty interesting that he can walk with them and talk. I mean, they, they have followed him for however long within a span of the, these three years. They've heard him teach to the point that it has changed their lives. 
And yet here he is walking along with them, and they don't even recognize. Man, how many times has that happened in life that we don't even realize that the Lord's walking along right beside us and ministering to us, and we're still so distraught about whatever it is that we're dealing with, and yet the whole time the Lord's right there with us. Yet here they were, it was happening in flesh, right? And yet they said, man, we didn't even recognize him until he broke bread. And that clued us as to who he was. Wait, wait, wait. You, it's the way you broke that bread, that's really you. And about the time that they discovered who he was, bam, he disappeared, right? So how did he break bread? That's what I'm curious about. What, what was it that he did? Because Jesus didn't do anything just for, for the sake of doing it, you know? Everything Jesus did was meticulous. Everything he did was to teach and to demonstrate and to help folks understand the kingdom of God and the operation of God and how the Lord is going to start working within his kingdom. So let's hop back to verse 30. All right, so check this out. It says, first, when he sat down, said, as they sat down to eat, he took the bread. Everyone say took. He took the bread, and then he blessed it. Everyone say blessed. And then he broke it. Say broke. And then he gave it. So it was when he took the bread, and he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it. That sounds simple enough. You know, I'm not saying anything major about that. Maybe we can go find someplace else that he broke the bread. When, it, when else did he break the bread? Uh, well, just a couple of chapters prior in the Gospel of Luke, his account, he records about the Last Supper. There was bread in that, right? All right, so let's jump back to Luke 22. All right, here we go. He what? Took some bread and gave thanks or blessed it, right? There would have been a, a, a prayer of blessing and thanksgiving that he would have said. Then he broke it into pieces, and then he gave it, saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So Luke, as he was writing his account of the good news or the gospel, and he was being as meticulous and detailed as possible from all these interviews, apparently he heard enough times that he felt it was important to record it this way, that Jesus would take the bread, he would bless it, he would break it, and give it. Okay, well, that's a really descriptive way that Luke shared it with us. What about any of the other Gospels and any of the other times? Could there be any other time that Jesus broke bread? Well, I remember he dealt with bread when he fed the 5,000, right? The fish and the loaves. All right, well, let's go to Matthew. So you, if you remember, Matt, you know, they said, look, we only got two fish and five loaves of bread, and you want us to feed this multitude, really? And Jesus said, yeah, let's do it. So Matthew 14, 19 says, Then he told the people to sit down on the grass. Jesus, what? He took the five loaves and two fish. Then he looked up toward heaven and he blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples who distributed it to the people. So even Matthew, you know, because when you read the four gospels, there's four different people's accounts of the same events that were taking place. So you see a lot of similarities, but at the same time you see these unique differences because of the way that the people saw from their own perch 
you know, the life of Christ. Yet even Matthew, it made such an impact on him that when he records Jesus breaking bread, it's that he took it, he blessed it, he broke it, and then he gave it. Look, you know, Mark, the, the gospel of Mark, which Mark, you know, Mark's kind of like the cliff notes, man. It's like all action. He doesn't go into like big detail. But, but let's see what Mark did, because Mark told the same story. Mark chapter 6, verse 41, Jesus took the five loaves and two uh, fishes, looked up toward heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. So even Matthew and Mark, when they remembered the way Jesus broke bread, it was this pattern. He would take it, he would bless it, he would break it, he would give it. Every time they saw him break bread, he would take it, bless it, break it, give it. Take it, bless it, break it, give it. Now, he's not just doing it out of habit. Everything, that, his whole life was a, was a parable. He would teach in parables to try to help break down these, this vast kingdom of God into simple uh, earthly examples. And what did Jesus say about himself? There was one time in the book of John, he was talking about his, you know, the ancestors. He said, look, all of our ancestors, ancestors ate manna from heaven, yet they all died. They're not here anymore. And he, and he was encouraging people to, to turn to him. Look what he says, John chapter 6, verse 47. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes has eternal life. Yes, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, but they all died. Anyone who eats the bread from heaven, however, will never die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will forever will live forever in this bread which I will offer which I will offer so the world may live is my flesh, my body. You remember in Luke when, when at the Last Supper, when he took bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it, he said, look, take, eat this. It's my body, which, which I am giving for you. Then John's gospel records, Jesus said, I am the bread of life, that if you'll partake of this bread, if you'll accept what I'm about to do for you with my body, you'll live forever. Well, what did he do with bread? He took it, blessed it, broke it, gave it. He's trying to show that's exactly what God did with him. God took him from a heavenly throne and took him from a lowly manger. He blessed him, gave him favor. Even at 12 years old, there were rabbis sitting around listening to him teach. At the age of 30, he begins a three-year ministry that turns, turns a whole region upside down on its head and revolutionizes the way that people can connect with God. So he was blessed, and then he was broken on a cross. He was bruised for our transgressions, wounded for our iniquities. By his stripes we are healed. The shedding of his blood was atonement for us and God. He was broken so that he wouldn't just change a region, and he just wouldn't set a nation free from another nation, but he would set an entire world he could be given as a spotless lamb so that he could, he could save an entire world from the power of sin. 
and bring us all back into favor and atonement or at one with God. That's pretty cool stuff. He's just trying to show what's going to happen to him, right? But it goes even deeper than this. If you, can, if you can catch this, you can look at your life and understand where you're at. You remember in the weeks leading up to now, we talked about how Paul said, I want to know him in the fellowship of his suffering, even unto death. I, I want to experience him in the power of his resurrection. In other words, before you can be resurrection, uh, resurrected and experience power, there's got to be some dying out, right? And there's sometimes in trouble and hardship and in suffering that we learn to fellowship with him like never before. And when we finally learn just to let go and die out to some things, those things don't have power over us anymore. They'll follow you into the grave, but they're not going to come back out. And then you experience them in wonderful resurrection. And that's going to be a... a a process that goes on throughout chapter after chapter of your life. So we know that Jesus is the bread of life. But look what Paul goes on to say in 1 Corinthians. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Christ is the head, Paul says. But if you belong to Jesus, you're part of his body. What did he say his body was? Bread. What happens with bread? Do you understand? If you'll look back across your life, you will, you will see times that, that the Lord took you. You went through a time of transition. You were in one place. It could be an emotional transition. It could be a mental transition. It could be a physical transition where from one geographical location to another. It could be from one job to another, uh, one situation to another. But he will take you. And then you'll go through a season of blessing. And you're like, man, Lord, you have, you're blessing me. Life is good. And then out of nowhere, it seems like the, the, the carpet's yanked out from under you. And you go through a season of breaking. But gear up. Don't get too rattled when he decides to take you or move you or transition you from one thing to another. That, that sometimes can, can make you disoriented. Don't, don't get too upset. Why? Because you're about to go through a season of blessing. Receive the blessing. Enjoy it. Strengthen it. Drink from it. But don't get too relaxed. Don't get too content. Why? Because you're going to go through a season of breaking. There are going to be some things that need to die out in your life. There's going to be things that you have to let go. You, you are called to evolve and grow up in him. You're, you're, you'll be presented with a choice. You could stay the same or you can change. If you choose to stay the same, you're going to repeat the same challenges over and over and over. But if you learn to die out with him and go to the grave with him, you release those things. But don't get discouraged when you're being broken. Why? Because God's just preparing you for a season of giving. He's going to give you He's going to utilize you like never before. He's going to allow your life to impact so many more people. And you're going to flow in so much anointing. You know, in the Old Testament, in order to get the anointing oil, they would have to take the olive. And, and you don't get oil from the olive, from the meat of the olive, the part of the olive that you eat. You get the oil from the heart of the olive. And it's hard. It is hard. If you've ever 
Man, if you, if you ever get a chance to go to Israel, I love olives. Be careful. Don't bite down all the way in those. They don't, they still got the pits in them. <laughs> well, those pits, that's the heart of the olive, and it has to be broken and crushed so that you can extract the oil. And that's how it is within our lives. We have to go through a season of breaking. Why? Because there's anointing that will flow from our brokenness and from our wounds. There's, there's an immense amount of empathy that can be created. The question shouldn't be, why, God, why am I going through this? Why am I being treated this way? Why are these doors being shut? Why am I being rejected? Why am I hurting? Why aren't you listening? That, that, that shouldn't be, the question shouldn't be why. It should be, what am I supposed to be learning from this? And how am I to apply my faith and trust you in this situation? He will take you. Maybe you're in that place right now. Maybe you're in a time of transition. Maybe you just recently moved here to town or you're, you're in the process of uh, uh, shifting over from one ministry to another. You know, maybe the Lord, you know, maybe you were planted in one fellowship and the Lord said, hey, it's time to move, you know. And then, or maybe you're in a time that, man, life has been incredible. You're, you're in the midst of blessing after blessing after blessing. And every, it just seems like everything you touch turns to gold. And, man, the goodness of God is all around. Or maybe you're in the time of breaking. Or maybe you're in a time of being given. You know? I see it play out in a lot of your lives that, that I, I get to do life with. My life has been pretty much like, a big giant billboard for God's process, and I've had to like play it out in front of most of you guys. <laughs> you know, there's not not like a whole lot of secrets with me. You know, uh, many of you have watched it take place in my life. I was taken from the east side of Dallas. I was rooted in Rockwall, uh, and and grew up in Garland. Was rooted in Rockwall. Was established. Was uh, had served as youth pastor and an associate pastor uh, in the church I'd grown up in. I was active in the community in Rockwall, was working with sub, subcommittees uh, under uh, city council. Uh, Mayor uh, Cecil Williams at the time was trying to, trying to groom me to start running for city council. All this stuff. Man, I, th I thought I, I was rooted in, and God said, nope. He took us, and he planted me right here in Viridian seven years ago. And, and it was a little disorienting. I thought, oh, I thought life was there, but it's going to be here. But then I had a time of blessing. I thought, man, I got to start knowing more neighbors than ever. I, was, I prayed for more people on my front porch uh, within, within the first year I lived here than, than any other year of my life. I Man, it was a blessing. I, was, I started meeting more friends. Man, we were cooking. We were, you know, we were in and out of each other's homes. Man, it was blessed, a season of blessing. Uh, the Lord transitioned us over here to Gathering Church. And then many of you know my story. Man, I went through an immense time of season of breaking like I've never experienced before. I couldn't understand I, what happened to the blessings. I had everything, I, you know, beautiful friends. I had, had the family. That's all I ever wanted growing up was a family. I had, I had two godly parents. We had a wonderful family growing up, and that's all I wanted was one of my own. My family, and now all of a sudden, I didn't have a family. Didn't have the house I'd worked hard for. Didn't have the house. Breaking, breaking. But now all of a sudden, you know, Two years ago, I thought ministry was done because of the explosion of my life. Now here it is, almost two years later, and ministry is my life. 
God's given me the opportunity to do this full time. What's he doing? He's given me. He's given me. It's the same pattern. You're going to see this pattern take place in your life over and over and over. Sometimes, some areas of your life, you'll see it play out within a week. Other areas of your life, it may play out over a span of a decade. Other areas, you may see see it kind of work this pattern in a day. But wherever you're at, take joy, because that's not where you're staying. If you're going through a time of breaking, rejoice, because you're about to be given. And God's going to use you in ways that you never, you've never even imagined. Let's all stand. Father, I thank you for your word. I pray that it plants deep and bears good fruit this week. Help us identify where we're at in life and, and find courage and joy and faith. Lord, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your life. Hallelujah. Let's just take a few moments and meditate on the Lord, meditate on his word. If you're here and you've never asked Jesus Christ to be Lord of your life, if you're not living for him, oh, hey, we can fix that. All you have to do is just ask him, Lord, come into my life. Be Lord of my life. I confess and believe that you died for me, that you rose from the dead. Forgive me of my sins. However you choose to make that confession. You know, sometimes we get caught up in a sinner's prayer. It's, that's not even, it's, it's, a, it's a confession and a heart situation. So you, you pray it however you want. Or maybe you need to recommit yourself today. But I want you to take, a, take an opportunity and do that. I just praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen.